0: think a lot of times when we don't know how to deal with our past, we turn to other things. And that can be many, many, many things. I think we like to point out alcohol and drug abuse, but it can be apathy. It can be pulling away, not getting close to your kids, not understanding what a relationship is with them. It can just be isolation. It can be addiction to television where you, you're numbing yourself that way. You know, it can, it can be a lot of stuff. You're listening to Altered
1: Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is Michelle Saunders. That's your Chief Storyteller Host. Welcome to the Altered Story Show, episode 54 Cats No Longer Bound God's Story. Thanks for listening to the show today. Friends, I hope all is well and that God is blessing you, and you are enjoying this lovely spring. Today, I'm excited to bring to the mic my special guest, Kat Caldwell. I met Kat through the Christian Podcasters Association. Sometimes I share some things. I'm going to just jump right in, and we're going to get to know Kat today. Good morning, Kat, or... it's Afternoon, I think your way. Welcome to the show. How
0: are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing wonderfully. I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Well, I'm excited to talk to you too. And I wanted to thank you for being a guest on my show. And friends, I'm going to share a few words about Kat. You know, I have to do it. And then she's going to share some words about herself. And then we're going to have a conversation. What I know about Kat is that she believes that every person has a story to tell, as does she. And she is a historical novel and magical realm novel author. We're going to ask her about that. She's a creative coach and a podcaster like myself. And she enjoys interviewing creatives for her pencils, and Lipstick Podcast. That's a pretty cool podcast name. Now, Kat, since our listeners can't see you, do you have your lipstick on? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I made sure I had mine on for you. (laughs) I wear it anyway, but it made me think of you today for sure. So Kat, can you share some, just some other things about yourself for the listeners today so they can get to know you?
0: Sure. Um, I grew up mostly in Wisconsin. I've always been a big dreamer. I've always had a really big imagination, enjoyed doing very creative things. I think that, you know, that's part of me, but it's also part of living on a farm and being an asthmatic. So you're inside a lot more than (laughs) everybody else. Um, It was, but you know, you know what you know when you're a kid and that was my world. Um, I always dreamed about seeing the world, leaving Wisconsin, going out, especially to Europe as a kid. And I told my mother one day when I was probably 11 or 12 that I was going to marry a man with an accent, which I did. <laughs> 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 no, I was thinking English accent at that point because that's about all I knew. But um, I met my husband in Northern Ireland and he's from Spain. We then came to the States, got married, went back to Spain, had our children between Spain and France, and then came back stateside in August of 2015. So I've seen lots of dreams come true, and I still have more dreams to come true. But I'm a writer, I am a podcaster, I love helping people get their stories out, and I love, oh, I just love so many creative, artistic people coming to the, to the surface and finding a place in the world right now.
1: Well, that's so needed and it's so therapeutic too, don't you think? Yes. (laughs) Now you're a mom of three girls. Yes. Wow.
0: Yes. All girls. How is that? Um, as most people say when they come into my house, wow, there's a lot of noise in here. They <laughs> say, yeah, there's lots of noise, lots of drama. Um, they're heading into the teenage years. So it's really fun. I really enjoy being a mom. It wasn't anything that I ever questioned being, but I did at one point question if I would be any good at it but i really enjoy it i think it's pretty amazing that we get to be in charge of these people you know that god has created and help guide them into the world and watch them grow into being who they've been created to be and i just i find it amazing
1: yes just the creation how god uses two people to create such wonder beautifully and wonderfully made you know so well thank you for sharing some of your just who you are i think it's always important that the listeners get to know the guests and i enjoy hearing too you've been podcasting for a while
0: why did you start your podcast what and and why the name oh the name <laughs> well uh names are so important titles are important I started the podcast because I knew that I needed to expand a little bit more on my business. So I'm a writer, but these days being a writer, just selling your books, there aren't very many people who live off of that. Um, There are some, but they have to be pretty prolific writers and there's a lot that goes into it. So I knew that I needed to expand on that and sort of have different pillars And I also wanted to, because I want to not only write my stories, but I really want other people to feel empowered to write their stories. I don't believe that there's any limit to books out there. I think we need more (laughs) than we already have. You know, I think people have stories to share that, and it's important to read them. So if you have a story within you, I believe it's because somebody's waiting to hear it. Somebody's waiting to hear it or read it. Or, you know, if you're an artist to see it, there is a reason for that desire to get it out. So I thought about starting a podcast. And the truth is there's quite a few podcasts for writers out there. I didn't really want to be limited just to writers, you know, between being a mom and writing my own stories and being a wife and moving around quite a bit, I wasn't sure that I would be able to make the connections to have a weekly Author interview. That's that's fifty two authors a year, <laughs> and that's you're not lot. really. Sp- <laughs> yeah, it's yes. a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I kind. So I had these kind of fears of I'm not sure I could do that. I also am surrounded by creative people, and I think that having a creative business is very different from having kind of a, a selling business or a you know brick and mortar business. It's definitely different than running a team or usually on our own. So I wanted to learn from other creatives, what they're using, how they're getting there. And I, I don't think that there's a lot of space for creatives to tell their story. You know, why do they do what they do? So I wrote, pen, I had pencils, you know, this is like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm a writer. That's what it is. And then I thought I just need to not encapsulate one group. I just need to, you know, I, I guess I could have gone with the word creatives, but one day I was brainstorming with a friend of mine and I said, pencils and lipstick. I can, I can do this. I like lipstick, <laughs> <laughs> not thinking that when men come on my show, they're like, uh, uh what? Uh, Do do I I fit in here? (laughs) (laughs) So so it just stuck. My um, sister in law, who's an artist, came up right away with a logo that was excellent, and it, it has stuck. I think it's fun. You know, it can kind of expand into whatever I want it to expand into. But I started in September of 2019 with a shout out on Facebook of. Would anyone be interested in coming on my show? And a, immediately, people answered, and I thought, okay, maybe I should have set this up before I asked the question. I do but that now, sometimes, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I'm, you know, I you gotta, you gotta know, like put the feelers out, right? But then, <laughs> but then you think, oh, maybe I should have had a skeletal structure. So I scrambled, got it together. It went off with a bang. I've and really enjoyed it. It's been almost two years now. I'm always looking for more creatives, but I've never been short of creatives, which is amazing. I love it. I've had some really, really interesting interviews. And honestly, it's, it was a great idea. It must've been God's idea because <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun doing it.
1: Oh, that's so important. So we'll look forward to just maybe um, having you share a little bit later, maybe some of your favorite one, you know, stories and stuff like that. What about your novels, Kat? I mean, you're a historical novel author. And so, you know, tell us about that. Tell us about what the names are, how, how long it took you to write them. So what is different about being a novel writer, you know, versus a, a autobiography writer or fiction writer, you know, just from an education standpoint?
0: I've always wanted to be a writer and I was always, always told no one ever gets to be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote my first book when I was 19 and I ended up getting it published. But back then, you know, we're talking over 20 years ago, the The self-publishing was not a thing. It was really looked down on. Traditional publishing was still very difficult and always has been difficult to get into. What I didn't realize is it got picked up by a hybrid and that's a word now, but it wasn't then. So I didn't pay anything for them to get it published, but what happened is they didn't edit it, they didn't market it, they didn't do anything. So what they were kind of betting on is that you would be so excited that you would buy hundreds of books to then pass out to your friends and family or perhaps go to a book fair, you know, try your hand at getting it into an indie bookstore. And the problem with that is that if a book isn't edited, it's not what it is supposed to be yet. Like it's not a fully formed dream. You know, you have to, you, you write the story and then you need somebody else to look at it and go through it and work with you on the edits because you're very close to the story. So without any editing, it's just not a fully finished product. So the problem with that was they had the rights to it for seven years. So that kind of put a damper on things. I moved to Spain. And so I tried to, at first, take the advice of some people and, and write articles. But of course, the internet was not what it is today. I did write for a couple different websites that are no longer around. That's that's a long time ago, <laughs> You know, 2007, 2008. And then I, I became a mom rather suddenly, right after we got married. And that takes a lot of your energy. So I have always written stories, always written down sort of ideas that came into my head. I did write another novel, a couple, you know, half novels as I was a mother. But it was probably 2014, right, when I had a baby, a toddler, <laughs> and a five-year-old that I thought, I have this story that I have to write and that was stepping across the desert. That is my historical novel. Um, it's kind of historical novel, historical romance. I'm fascinated by history, first of all. So I find it really easy to write historical fiction and putting myself in that place. But I had learned about the Barbary pirates who used to come up along the coastline of Europe and kidnap people so quite a few predominant people in Europe way back in the 1600s, you know, were kidnapped. Like Cervantes, who is a writer in Spain, he had been kidnapped. And the Catholic Church is very good about getting them back. And the Anglican Church was not. <laughs> they did not buy back their people. I just found that very interesting. Um, so Rowena, the main character, just sort of started coming forming as a person in my head and I started writing it. And I have to admit with that, that many kids around me, it took from 2014 to 2016 to, to write it. Um, and then the editing process and all that, I didn't get it out until 2017. And I did decide to go indie. I started my own publishing business because I knew that I was going to publish more and I want to control <laughs> over my books And still getting traditionally published is still really, really difficult. And it takes a long time. I mean, by the time you sell it, you can look into at least a year and a half, more likely two to two and a half years for it to get out. So at that point, 2018, I knew I needed to learn more. Because of course you hit publish, you get everything done. You tell yes. your friends and family, and nothing happens. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and just because I, I'm a writer, but I'm not great at self promotion, so I just sort of crossed my fingers and hoped that I wouldn't have to self promote. I was really shy at that point. I actually am a shy person. (laughs) I don't like self-promoting. I have, I would rather talk about somebody else, you know, ask somebody else about their life. So I knew I needed to learn more. And I did that in 2018. I got the idea for an audience with the king. So I started reading revelations out loud to my kids. And we kept going over and over the scene of what what the throne room looks like. I mean, like, think of... A solid piece, you know, of jade or sapphire. It's like, I just find that a, amazing. I mean, and I'm sure our imaginations can't get to what it actually looks like, you know. So I thought, what would it be like to to walk into this throne room? I mean, it's the it's the God of the universe, and yet He's asking us to come and just, you know, being a historical geek, I'm just like. You never go into the throne room, you know, it's a very, it's still for any country that has a king, it's a, it's still a sacred place. You don't just get to go in there. So from just thinking about that came Nelia, a woman who doesn't think she deserves it, but she's kind of adamant that she's going to get there because she wants to know why she's alive. Why, why am I here? You know, Everything has been taken from her, more or less. Her right, and this is right. a fantasy. I'm,
1: I'm really getting into this story. I'm afraid we're not going to get to your God
0: story. <laughs> so, in audience with the king is just Nelia looking for her place. Um, so, I'm coming out with another one. I, I am a Christian. I I write from the point of view of of, of planting seeds in people's um, minds but i've had quite a few non-christians reading my book they're not they're not categorized under christianity but i love to plant the seeds of who are you for stepping across the desert it is your past good or bad will lead you to where you need to be uh which i completely believe and agree with and god has a reason for that um so i am i i feel like i'm the seed planter <laughs> for well, people with my book i months. think that's amazing and I think we need
1: to be seed planters, you know? And I think everyone has a different way of being able to grow others. And this is one way you you do your growing and planting. So um, I'll have to check more out with your novels and we'll look forward to reading them. Kat, you know, you've talked about how important stories are. One thing that I really appreciated you sharing was that when people have a desire to tell their story, whether they share it, they write it, there's typically a need, right? A need going on. The question I had for you was, why do you think sharing your story is so important? But I know that it was very freeing for you and for me when we were able to share the stories that we had or story that we had going on. But is there anything that you want to bring out about sharing your story? And also, I'll just add to that. Is there anything that you want the listeners today to walk away with from what you're going to share before you share your story?
0: I think... The biggest lesson that I learned was when you're trying to hide a part of your story, and a lot of times for for reasons you think are very good, you just can't live out your full story. And I think what's really cool about having God be right next to us and convincing us, you know, over and over that He is here to heal us and you know, asking us to trust him that that's going to come, that he's going to be next to us and hold our hand. What's really cool is that when you finally reveal the parts that, you're, that you've been keeping a secret, you realize, I should have done this sooner. That it's it's not as bad as your human mind is trying to convince you of. And you can finally be exactly who you are. I really learned what I was trying to do was be myself while keeping a good chunk of myself in the dark and it's it doesn't work you know you're always half in the costume, half out of the costume, and my creativity could not flourish without fully sharing my story so I would just encourage everyone as scary as it might be, as nervous as it might make you. And you might hear in my voice as I share, like it still makes me a little, uh, (laughs) you know. But the moment that you finally find the healing that you need, you'll, you'll realize, oh, I can do so much more now. It's amazing to me how much more courage I have um, in, in sharing my story and in being me fully. So I just encourage you to take a little step. God will help you take 10 more steps. I kind of see him as like when we're toddlers and you, you know, you sort of swing them and they get to take that giant step. You know, that's how I always saw myself like, okay, I'm going to take this step. And he says, and we're going a whole half a mile forward. (laughs) I'm like, okay, yay. (laughs) Um, It's
1: not an easy, it's just not easy sometimes to talk personally. Um, for, for many. But so, Kat, as you know, we glorify God in our stories and through our stories. And so I know you have a no longer bound God story. So will you share with my listeners where you're comfortable, where you feel the Holy Spirit leading, God leading you as to where your no longer bound God story Begin?
0: My beginning starts with when I'm two and my father left, or I hate to say left. There was a big misunderstanding between my parents, and neither one were believers. And so they did what humans do and they separated. So I think most of us don't remember being two. I certainly don't. But my mother ended up marrying another man. And we moved pretty far away. So I fairly quickly came to call this man father, dad, and have no recollection of him not being my father. We moved to Wisconsin eventually. (laughs) We got there. I have other brothers and sisters. I have a full brother, a half brother, half sister. And my biological father was not in my life at all, nor did I know. But I didn't know that he wasn't in my life. My first recollection of sexual abuse happens around five um, by somebody in the family. So I had no idea what was going on and never told anyone that I can remember. So that happened quite often. There was lots of family get-togethers, the abuse happened quite often, and I would say that who is now my ex-stepfather, he wasn't very happy. There's a lot of alcohol abuse in the greater family as well. I think a lot of times when we don't know how to deal with our past, we turn to other things. And that can be many, many, many things. I think we like to point out alcohol and drug abuse, but it can be apathy. It can be pulling away not getting close to your kids, not understanding what a relationship is with them. It can just be isolation. It can be addiction to television where you, you're numbing yourself that way. You know, it can, it can be a lot of stuff. So I wouldn't say that my childhood was unhappy, but it was tumultuous. There was trauma happening. There was a lot of confusion. It was very authoritarian and, not very open. There were lots of secrets going on. So I didn't know that this, that my ex-father was not my father until I was about 12. And when you don't really know how to deal with your own things, as my parents didn't know at that point, Now they had become believers. But a lot of times when we first become believers, and I like to call it the 90s church, where you're supposed to become a believer. And then you're supposed to just be better, <laughs> you know, than what you were. Uh, maybe other churches did it better than the churches that we went to, but for the churches that we were in, I don't think my parents felt comfortable ever disclosing that they were formally divorced, remarried, had a, you know, sort of mixed family. They never felt comfortable like they would be accepted doing that. And so they kept that a secret. But I think it's really detrimental (laughs) to our mental health as well because they had to keep these secrets. They might have thought, oh, this is pretty easy, but I just don't think that mentally we're meant to do that. I don't think God created us to hold very big secrets. And then when you're holding these secrets, you have to hold them from all of your children because children talk. So I was told one evening um, by my stepfather, who I thought was my father, that he was not my father. And that, interestingly enough, was a moment that was both very confusing and very freeing because I could then say, okay, the person who's abusing me still is not blood related. And somehow that helped me cope a little bit. But then I was told, so now you know, but you can't tell anybody because no one's going to accept us if we if they think that we aren't good christians so you can't tell your brothers and your sisters you can't talk about it it's fine we are a family you're okay let's go have dinner so i didn't tell anybody and i became a very angry teenager and i i say that looking back i i don't think i really saw it like that I didn't know how to process many things I was I was very angry and confused and I was afraid to write anything in my journal because as I said it was a very authoritarian household discipline came down hard and harsh I was very afraid (laughs) but the church told me not to be afraid because that was a sin so I didn't know how to process that either so then I would say, okay, I'm not afraid. I don't have a spirit of fear. What do I have? And so any question, open-ended question, I would box up and I would put far away. And I would say, well, you clearly don't know anything. You don't have enough faith. You don't, you're not being a good enough Christian. So you, you just need, you need to do better. This was my self-talk. By the time I was 16, my mother and my stepfather divorced I was away from that family, so the, the sexual abuse ended, and I was convinced that biblical forgiveness was, okay, I forgive you, all done, move on. Because again, I had, I had no experience processing anything. I didn't know how to talk to anyone. I, w- I wasn't supposed to talk to them about the family dynamics, so how was I even supposed to tell anyone about an abuse dynamic? I was very afraid that, if I told anyone that it would that it would blow up, i didn't have any way to make it not seem like it would end horribly <laughs> the i could I could see the family choosing sides i could all I wanted to do was escape it's done it's over I'm leaving. I will move on. I will go on to other things uh, i didn't want to put that on my family so what I didn't realize in the midst of that is how bound with depression and anxiety and fear I had become. I had no idea. <laughs> I really had no idea. I mean, kids these days talk about anxiety almost to the point of I have to pull my kids aside and say, hey, it's not cool <laughs> to have anxiety. And if you have it, there are actually ways to, to process through it. I had no idea what what any of these words were and I became very um, hard on myself. I told myself over and over again, you know what, maybe you had some abuse, but it's not half as bad as a lot of women in the world. So get over it, just move on. You, you know, stop playing victim and move forward. And this is all to myself because I never told anybody. So my biggest goal was to leave just leave, uh, leave Wisconsin and things will be fine. So I got to college to Chicago and I believed in God, but I didn't know who he was. And so I didn't really believe that he cared that much for me or that I didn't know that he wanted to have a relationship. I thought it was all about following the rules and being good. And so I thought, okay, I'll sort of do that. But Because I was in so much pain, it was very easy to numb the pain with almost anything I could find. And at the same time, demand of myself to be in control constantly. So partying hard on the weekends, doing lots of alcohol, experimenting with some drugs. um, I was very closed off to people. So relationships with people were vi- were very much at a distance. So I I had no boyfriends nothing. I did not want anything to do with with that sort of relationship, but I wanted to free myself of of the pain, of the depression that I didn't know what that was, but this weight, this burden. I used to stand in the shower wishing I had the courage to take my life, but I knew that I didn't, which then I would, you know, criticize myself for not being Brave enough to do that, even that. So, as you know, you can just, there's this 19 year old girl who just doesn't know what's going on or how to deal with it, how to process it. And that really influenced not being able to do what I wanted to do with my life, which was right. Because if I couldn't even process and speak to myself in a clear manner, in a true manner, I couldn't actually access the depth of what I wanted to write about. I had to hide everything. At that point, I was ashamed of the abuse I had gone through. I was, a, I was ashamed of not really knowing who I was. So I, I did move to Northern Ireland to get even further away because why not? Maybe it will help. And I think looking back that year, I fell into a really, really dark depression. Um, my family back home was going through their own stuff. I didn't want to bother them. I never told anyone because I was constantly not wanting to be the bother. I was the second born. So you just don't, but the first female child. So, you know, you're in control. You're helping everyone else. You don't want to be the bother. Um, there was a lot of turmoil still at home. And I just kept saying, "You, you are just going to have to deal with it. Just get over it. You don't have enough faith. Have more faith. Keep forgiving. I mean, Constantly not understanding anything about it. Really, I look back and think, gosh, I didn't know anything. But, you know, at the same time, life goes on. I I met a wonderful man who put up with a lot and married him. And he has been such a blessing to me because when you're hiding part of yourself, you also can't be very authentic in your relationships. You cannot have an open and honest relationship with that person. I did tell my husband about my past, but he also was, he doesn't, he's not a therapist. He, he does not know how to help me process through that. He accepted me and loved me and, you know, moved me forward in life and has always been my rock and always encouraged me to be more, but he didn't know how to break the shell, this this wall that I had put up. He had always encouraged me, you want to be a writer, write, you know, get these stories out. I had no confidence to do that. Every rejection letter felt like a personal assault on me. And I I didn't know how to get beyond that because in my mind, I could understand that it wasn't. But I think that when you haven't found the healing from all of the open wounds that I, you know, I had still allowed to be open, everything seems like an attack. So... I remember when when I became a mom and I realized I was isolated. I was alone. I was in Spain and France. There was no family. I was home. I had the the market had crashed and it crashed hard in Spain. So there weren't too many jobs to be had. I was a translator over there. So I was I was happy to be home with my baby. I was happy to be a mom. It was very enjoyable. But Instead of alcohol numbing, I used television, um, internet, reading. I still was very closed off to the world. Um, I still didn't tell my husband everything. You know, what I would write or the emotions that I would have, I would write in my diary, but I, I wouldn't even work through them there. I didn't know that... I still didn't know that I wasn't processing things well. I still didn't know why I had such a quick fuse on my anger. And I was still very ashamed of like having that fuse. And a lot of times not having a reason for it because I didn't know how to process through it. I became very controlling in myself, how much I know. So I would consume information because I needed to be the one who knew what was going on. I don't know where that came from, but I, I then, I had a very hard time apologizing ever. I never did anything wrong because how could I do anything wrong if I'm in this much control of everything. So God then gave me a, he gave me babies that were hard. <laughs> they were, they took a lot of energy from me. Um, but I had my second child is probably everything I wish that I had been as a kid. Because of all the secrets, I could never be everything that I wanted to be. I could never express my imagination. I remember like, talking about my imaginary friends and because my parents didn't really know what to do with that. And we didn't talk a lot. They just sort of, I think they laughed thinking that, it, you know, trying to say that it was cute, but I found it as a shutdown, a rejection. They didn't, I wanted to talk about where my imaginary friends lived, you know, and I wanted to, to act it out. And, and so I, I was always very embarrassed, very shy, never ex- able to express me, but my second child has no problem with that. <laughs> she is very expressive
1: when did you when did you actually have the breakdown where you've had to get help did i mean was it after your second child
0: or it was with my second child, so I think I think what my humanity said is I am jealous of this child and she was very difficult to, to manage and I would have breakdowns not being able to manage her and I realized one night, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit, if you don't get yourself under control, you're going to ruin your child. You're going to ruin your relationship with your child and you're going to break her in a way that you were broken, which that caught my attention. So I, uh, we were in, we had just moved to Texas at that point and I sought out therapy. <laughs> um, I didn't want to ruin her, but I didn't know what to do. I was, so the, the depression and the anxiety, everything comes to a point where like I was becoming unable to manage life without silence because I couldn't think without it. And my kids are very expressive and very loud and very joyful. And I think it got to the point where my spirit was, I was so jealous of that, that I realized I need help. And I had never gotten help before because I knew in the deepest part of me, I wanted help based on God because I knew that's where, where, where my help came from, but I didn't know how.
1: Right. Well, because you were told, you know, just deal with it and don't let any I mean, you know, don't don't air your dirty laundry and we're all going to be perfect. And, and
0: God will heal you. you know, just read the Bible enough. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, suppress it, suppress it, just move on. I mean, yes, that's going to create depression and anxiety and trauma, you know, in your life and being ashamed and not being able to fully function in the the calling. So, you know, I'm so grateful that God gave you that second daughter, I mean, it's so amazing how God works, Cat. You know, in bringing us to a healing and restoration, all those things, and He did it through something so personal as your daughter. It's amazing. So, so, how long did you have to go through therapy before? I mean, you know, did you saw a therapist? Did you engage your husband in that? Did you guys just do? Do you do it on your own? Did it take a while? There's a, I know it's still a process. And by you telling your story, it's hard to tell your story. I mean, it's, it is always very emotional and you can feel sometimes, you know, some of the pain and the hurt that you've come out of.
0: I'm very grateful for for therapy. I'm very grateful for the woman who, that God gave me, who spent a lot of time with me. I am the type of person who will, will work hard still to get... I still wanted her approval. So that's still a little human. Uh, so I, I do think I went for almost two years. I worked really hard outside of it. And it really came to the point of revealing my secrets. I, and I got to that point with God and with my therapist and with my husband. And it was very slow. And there were it got worse before it got better, just in because I'm human and because when God says you need to break off this pride, <laughs> that's very hard. <laughs> it's very painful. It's um it's what per- you thought was protecting you. That's what I thought was protecting me was this wall. And so I, I do want to work I love therapy. I think it's really, really necessary. If you are a Christian, I would suggest seeking out Christian. Christian therapy and the right one, because God does love us and he does want us to get through this. And it's much easier with him. I can't imagine doing it without him. But I had to tell my family. By the end of it, I told my family um, what all the secrets that I'd been hiding. It was very difficult. And that was a process in itself. You know, some things are going to be asked of you, of, of God, from God, that you're not going to want to do. I, I didn't want to do it. But I have to say, from that point, I was free to be who I could be. I have never, you know, I wrote an audience with the King in probably three months. And I sat back and thought, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I, in the last few years, the things that I've been able to do because I can focus just human wise, because I can focus because I'm not dealing with all the things and because I know God's with me because I can trust people when I couldn't before, because I can be honest with people because I can share my story here with you. And I would not have been able to do that three years ago.
1: Do you know how honored I am to sit here and have you share this story with me?
0: Uh, yes. It's an honor to share it. And to oh, if but any for, woman for you to do it on my
1: podcast, I, I mean, I really hope the listeners understand for the, the, those, I mean, these stories are really tough to share. Think about what you endured and having to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. And just, just, okay. You know, it's just, you know, there's no relevance in your hurt, you know? I mean, I mean, although we now know God is a healing God, a restoring God and you're no longer bound and praise God and, God gave you this daughter and these daughters and this family and your ministry and all that you're doing, you know, it's so precious. And you were able to break free and get out of that bondage and those chains. Right. You know, and I, and I know I, I carried a a story for a long, long, long time, you know, and they're still healing and they're still healing, you know? So I, I'm just, Wow, I'm just really just honored that you would share here. And I know you've shared it and I know you continue and will. And Kat, um, what words do you have for a woman, even a man who may be listening and they're just so bound up in their, in their shame and what they've come through and they're so fearful. And what words do you feel that you could share that would give them hope or encouragement? To maybe move forward to get the healing they need in, you know, sharing, you know, their story.
0: When you're able to share your story and it takes, it's a process. Like we were saying, you would, you'll be amazed at the other people who will come forth that you'll, you'll touch because of it. And I think that we've, we're created to share our stories for ourselves, for our own healing and for the healing of others so I would encourage anyone to seek out whatever help you need in order to break out of the whatever binds you, the shame, um, the depression. It really isn't as hard. It is hard, but it's not as hard as as you're afraid it's going to be. And the process can be just as beautiful as the story, as 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 coming out on the other side. And just know that the story that you have, everyone's story impacts another person. And when you are able to tell your story, you're also able to listen to other stories um, more clearly and with more empathy and with more love. And I think that you can love other people in a much deeper way um, if you don't hold on (laughs) to to the stories that you have.
1: Well, those are beautiful words, Kat, and... Friends, thank you again, Kat, for for sharing. Yeah. Kat, can you share quickly how you can be reached Um, for those that may want to reach out to you or maybe, you know, learn more about, you know, what you're doing in your community and listen
0: to your podcast, share where you can quickly, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. If you go to Kat Caldwell, that's K A T um, C A L D W E L -L L.com. I am there. I'm on all social media, Kat Caldwell author. I am very reachable. So please reach out with any questions. Okay.
1: And friends, um, we're going to have this episode up on our website, and it's, it will be on all major platforms. Um, and I, I know, friends, that many of you will be blessed um, by hearing what Kat has to say. So I would ask that, If you could give us some feedback on the story, if you've been blessed by it or sharing it, or please do, I want to hear from you. And also I appreciate your follow on Apple Podcasts or subscribing to our show. We always are blessed and share the podcast. That's all I can say for those that would benefit from it. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories.